Hello and welcome back to another episode of Marveling with May. I'm May, your friendly neighborhood guide to the MCU, and today we are talking about Loki, episode 6, for all time, always. The season finale, we can say season finale because by the end of this episode, we know that we are coming back for a second season, and boy was it a crazy ending. There, There's a whole lot to talk about. I have fresh off of watching this episode. So many thoughts, so many feelings, so without further ado, let's get started. Before we get started, I want to give a quick spoiler warning for anyone who has not yet seen Loki Episode 6, For All Time, Always. This is a serious spoiler warning. Seriously? Again? More so than any other spoiler warning I've given. I know I said that last episode, but this time I mean it. More so than any spoiler warning I've ever given, this episode was literally just insane. So go watch it. I will be waiting right here, and I will see you then. Wow. Um, I'm almost speechless over this episode, which is uh, quite ironic considering that I have a podcast that I'm currently recording. So this is going to be a fun one. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of me just repeating how insane everything that happened here was. And it was truly insane. But before we get into all of that, I just want to give a quick thank you to anyone who's returning to Marveling with Faye. Anyone who has listened to the episodes, who is coming back week after week, I really do appreciate you guys, and genuinely, when I started this podcast, did not expect to have anyone really listen to it, but that is certainly not the case, and so you all are quite incredible for continuing to listen to this, and I'm happy that you seem to be enjoying it, so thank you. And without further ado, uh, let's talk about this insane episode. So, first thing that I want to talk about, straight off the bat, that intro. Wow that was amazing um that starting from the marvel studios title card where it's like the overlapping voices and you're hearing all of these different moments from throughout the mcu and then we're taken through basically through a sequence of seeing planets the um universe all of the galaxies everything sort of coming together and we're moving through all of that and again we're just hearing moments from the MCU, from actual history, all of this. Uh, We hear a couple of iconic lines from the other series that came out this year, What is Grief If Not Love Persevering, that's sprinkled in there. Uh, So we're just hearing all these different moments from both the MCU and from our history, and it all leads to where Loki and Sylvie are standing in front of where we left them last episode, in front of this big castle-like building and we're stepping up to the building sylvie is there with loki and we see some hesitation you know this is quite literally what she has been waiting for her entire life and so quite understandably there is a hesitation there Uh, they have a a great moment at that point where sylvie is explaining just how just how much this means to her and you can see that again this is her life's work essentially and you're quite literally knocking on the door of everything that you have been working to accomplish. 
But then the door just opens and we are greeted by Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes is terrifying in this episode. Absolutely terrifying. Um, credit to the voice actress of uh, Miss Minutes. I think it's... I will have to look back at who the voice actress is, but um, I'm not a big, like... Uh, animated series fan, but apparently she's a huge voice actress in other uh, big properties outside of Marvel, so seems like she has a lot of experience. But anyways, my main point in saying all of that was just to say, I mean, Miss Minutes' performance in this episode was incredible, and I never thought that I would say that about an animated character in a live-action series, but Miss Minutes was played to perfection, um, both with the voice acting and also her emotions, everything was, was just perfect. And she was, okay, momentary technical difficulty there. What I was saying at the end of that sentence, she was terrifying throughout everything that happened in this episode. Um, yes, Miss Minutes was just so creepy and so perfect because of that. So in this conversation between Loki, Sylvie, and Miss Minutes, we learn a couple of of different things. We learn the name of whoever is running the TVA or whoever is doing this. At least, it's not really a name. It's not a name that we know. It's just he who remains. Um, and we also learn that he who remains is offering to Loki and Sylvie that they can. Uh, Loki would win in New York and also would hold all of the Infinity Stones and would hold the Infinity Gauntlet. And Sylvie would be able to live out her life as well. And so they'd be on the same timeline. So this is obviously a very a big moment for them. Because it's sort of a breaking point for both of their characters. They're being offered everything that they absolutely want. And I see this as a big character development moment. I don't think it's enough to say it's character development for Sylvie. Just because... Yes, that's what Sylvie wants, but it's not like she has spent her life searching for that. Like, she's mostly spent her life just trying to get revenge on the TVA. So I can understand where she would be very opposed to that idea if she was trading that perfect storyline for herself for getting revenge on the TVA. Because for her, revenge on the TVA is priority. But for Loki, this to me is a huge huge character development moment because the Loki that we knew at the beginning of this show would have done almost anything to win New York, to have that glory over the Avengers, over his brother, all of that. He would have given just about anything. He would have done just about anything. And for him to deny this opportunity is, again, just a huge moment for this character and a huge moment for us seeing where this character is. This character never experienced what happened on uh, on the ship with Thanos. This version of Loki wasn't wasn't there, um, sacrificing his life for Thor and for the rest of the Avengers and humanity and all that. That wasn't this version of Loki. But this version of Loki that we have now at least in my opinion, is at a greater point in his character development than even the Loki that we saw in our original MCU timeline. And that's a really interesting point and a really important point. And I don't know in what 
ways we're going to see this Loki, this version of Loki in our main timeline, or how this version of Loki will be interacting with the main timeline of heroes. But this Loki is our most developed and most multidimensional version of Loki that we have seen, at least to this point, in my opinion, even more so than the Loki that we knew and loved beforehand. So this is a huge breaking point for the character, and again, they're being offered the opportunity to have both of them on the timeline together. Uh, You know, obviously, they want to be wherever they are, they want to be there together, and so again, huge breaking point, and very telling that they did not take that offer. Uh, And we see that hunters are chasing our our good friend Hunter B-15, and she's sort of running through these hallways, and we see that it is the same pen um, on the desk. So it's the same school that was on the pen that Mobius found in Ravona's office, and I believe it was episode two or three um, where he's talking about how she has all of these like trophies from her past cases, and we see this pen with writing on it, and Mobius looks at it, and he kind of says, like, oh, I've never seen this one before, where's this one from? Um, and we see that it's the same pen that is from this high school. And then, as the hunters are chasing Hunter B-15, we run into Ravona, except it's, it's not the Ravona that we know. Um, so it's a Ravona from 2018, uh, so in the past, which, okay, right at this moment, I just, I have so many questions about the timeline of the TVA, um, beyond, like, oh, the sacred timeline, all that, like, genuinely, when is this taking place? Because we know that all of these events are outside of time, the TVA is outside of time, but when did all of this happen in our reality? It's it's all very, very confusing. But anyways, we are seeing Ravona in 2018, and she is just a normal high school teacher. And so the other hunters see this, and they're like, that's Judge Renslayer, but she doesn't know who Judge Renslayer is. Uh, she has no idea what's going on here. And Hunter B-15 just basically says, like, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. So... We can assume going on from this. We never really return to that story arc, but we can assume going from this that uh, basically Hunter B-15 is then able to explain to the rest of the hunters what is going on here and the fact that everyone in the TBA is a variant of some sort. All very confusing, um, but all pretty cool as well as far as how that goes. So... Again, more conversation with He Who Remains. Just a creepy guy. There are a couple of of scenes of dialogue uh, that I want to talk about. So first, he mentions, I know it all, and I saw it all. So he is seeing everything. He saw everything from Momentus to their journey here. He's seeing everything that has happened. He's planned it out. He's done all of that. And there's this one specific line. He says, I paved the road you just walked down it. That is huge for the Lokis to hear, for Loki and Sylvie to hear. Because from the beginning of this show, Loki's big issue with the TVA is that they had predetermined everything that happened in his life. And Loki is someone who is, you know, defiantly wants free will and defiantly wants to make his own choices, wants to be in charge of his own destiny, almost to a fault sometimes. But 
he wants to be in charge of everything that happens. And at this point in the story, he thinks that he is in control because, I mean, he's done all of these things. He's broken free from the TVA. He feels as though he is making his own path. And for he who remains to just sort of say no to that and say, you know, like, I've been controlling all of this. You're just a part of my plan. You're a part of my story. That That is a huge moment for Loki and just probably a huge gut punch for everything that has happened so far for him to believe that you are completely in control and just to be told completely otherwise then there is this other line that uh he who remains says to sylvie so sylvie keeps saying you know you're a liar they're they're both saying like you're a liar um and he comes back and he says do you think you're even capable of trusting anyone at all and he says this directly to sylvie And this idea of trust comes up later on in the episode. But this is where we get the clear character fault for Sylvie. For me, we had never really gotten this exact moment or this exact clarity of what um, is her big fatal flaw. For Loki, it's the fact that he's always scheming. You know, he can't be trusted. But for Sylvie, in this moment, she cannot trust so it's it's a weird it's a very strange um parallel to draw between these two characters and it it makes a lot of sense but it just up further goes to show just how intertwined they are but also how different Loki's can be or different variations of the same person can be based on their circumstance and the way that they have seen the world i mean these are two they are the same person, and yet, because of their circumstances, they're completely different people. And that was just a, a very interesting point, and it was the first time in this series that we have directly pointed to the simple fatal flaw of Sylvie, and that was that was an important moment. Uh, also, a completely out-of-pocket, like, that was he who remains... It was an unnecessary line. Um, yes, very out of pocket. We we did not need that. That was that was a little mean to Sylvie. But moving on, <laughs> um, we're then back with Ravona and Mobius, and they're talking about free will. And Mobius is talking about how free will you can't you can't just take away free will. And he's he's talking about how he was in the void, and how he's seen where the TVA is sending people. And just how terrible it really is for those people. And how taking away their free will is not humane. And he says something to the effect, they're talking about, you know, this is what we had to do. This was all necessary. And Mobius just comes back and says, like, I've, I've been where we send people. There's nothing necessary about that. Uh, and just the idea of free will and how important it is and how the TVA has been stealing that from people for this entire time Uh, and then we get this line from Ravona a very important line she says free will only one person gets free will the one in charge a big moment (laughs) Um, she's not even referencing and admitting to herself just how much free will the person at the top has 
and how she herself doesn't even really have that free will. And that was, again, just a, a very important moment for her character and for Mobius's character as well. And sort of the summation for this entire series and its and one of its big themes that all of these people, all of these variants, all of these separate different timelines, none of them have free will except for that person in charge. And essentially that person in charge is playing God in a way because they are the determining exactly what happens and exactly what goes down in every aspect of everyone's life. And what justifies that? Is there any justification for that? And that's, that's something that we explore uh, more and more throughout this episode. So, both of them together on the timeline. That is huge. Again, Miss Minutes, just terrifying throughout this conversation. Uh, and then we get this great line from Sylvie as they are walking. Uh, Miss Minutes leaves after they deny that opportunity. Uh, Miss Minutes kind of says, like, they say something to the effect of, we make our own choices, we make our own destiny. And Miss Minutes sort of says, like, oh, sure you do. Kind of, like, dismisses that uh, and leaves. And you can tell that she's upset. Um, but then, as they're walking to continue their little quest in the Citadel at the end of time, we also learn the name, the Citadel at the end of time. This is where we are. Um, but anyways, as they're making their way through the Citadel of time, uh, Sylvie makes this great line, he who remains dot dot dot, not for much longer. Uh, that was incredible. Not a huge plot point, but I just, I, I really liked it. Um, this episode overall is just absolutely terrifying, and we get more of that uh, as we are going through the Citadel. There are just clocks ticking in the background for their whole walk up to where they eventually find He Who Remains. Again, just just terrifying. I mean, the mood setting of this episode, everything was just creepy, and it was sort of I'm, I'm going to compare it to early WandaVision, where, and I think I've, I've made this comparison with the show in the past before, but you know that something is wrong and something doesn't feel right, but you can't quite place it. And that was the feeling throughout this entire episode. And to me, we never got the revelation of what was causing that uneasiness like we did in WandaVision. In WandaVision, by the end, we knew... This is why it was weird, because Wanda was controlling it. In this episode, we never get the satisfaction of knowing, like, why does everything feel out of place? We never know why everything feels out of place, because we're introduced to who's sort of running everything in the Citadel at the end of time. But that doesn't give us a ton of context for, like, why, why does everything just feel so weird in this place? And we never really find out. Uh, so again, the the mood building and the uh, setting of this episode was just terrifying and creepy, and it was perfect, but also just very unsettling. So then we're introduced to He Who Remains, and he himself, I just talked about how the setting was slightly unsettling, um, He Who Remains himself is absolutely terrifying and creepy and I don't I mean one of the strangest villains I think we've ever seen at least in my eyes I mean he would he was like slightly just 
again, just something was amiss, and something was just slightly off with him. Like, he just, there was something wrong there, and he just was such a creepy part of this episode uh, throughout the entire thing, but we see him just sort of sitting in a room um, in what looks to be some sort of elevator, and he invites Sylvie and Loki up to the office. Um, but before we get there, we have a little a little check-in with Ravona, uh, and she is talking to Mobius, and they are talking about, or has Mo- Mobius appeared yet? Yes, Mobius has appeared yet. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get the timeline of this straight. I did not take, uh, usually I take notes on, you know, each event that happened so I can accurately recap it. Uh, because so much was going on, I did not take those types of notes. I mostly took notes about the insanity that was happening, so I apologize if I get a couple of the events slightly out of order, but Mobius and Ravona are in a room together. Ravona is sorry about sending Mobius into the void, um, but she talks about how, you know, if anyone could have done it, obviously it would be Mobius and, and all that, and she is still sticking by the fact that the TVA has work to do and that it has a purpose and it has a reason for existing. She is still sticking by that even to this day. Even after learning that the timekeepers are not real, she is trusting whoever is running the TVA without ever meeting them or or ever really knowing their true plan. So Ravona is sort of in denial in this moment. And then Mobius says something to the, to the effect of, we know your secret, we know what's happening. And we are at a high school uh, in 2018 in Fremont, Ohio. And it, it's just a, a normal high school. It, it has to be Kang. I, oh, I just don't, I don't understand why Marvel would make so many references without having any payoff. But let's get back to the story that we are told next. So, uh, he is talking about how, at one point in his life, he discovered that multiverses existed. He discovered that timelines were happening sort of parallel to each other. The basic idea of the multiverse. And he says that he, as soon as he discovered this, the other versions of himself were discovering this all at the same time. Because, you know, they're parallel timelines, and so... As one version of himself was discovering this, every other version of himself was also discovering this at the same time. And he talks about how some of those versions of himself were good, and they met each other, you know, (laughs) shared ideas, talked to each other, Uh, they were fine, they went back to their respective timelines, and they just continued on, sort of, with this newfound knowledge of the multiverse. And then we also learned that there were other versions of himself that were not good and they did not live in harmony so the basic idea of the multiverse right like you have versions of yourself that are good or are morally good for whatever reason because of the circumstances they were in in their specific timeline and you have versions of yourself that are morally evil or do things against what you would do just because of the circumstances of their individual timelines But because they all discovered the multiverse at the same time, those evil versions of He Who Remains uh, are fighting 
the good versions because they want to have dominance over the timeline. They want their timeline to be the single most important timeline. And so that is where the multiversal war started. Literally from one person, uh, one different version of the same person throughout tons of different timelines, uh, discovering this major event all at the same time. So it's a little bit different than how it was described originally, but um, an absolute insane story. But we also get a line during this, and this is where the Kang thing really just, I just cannot believe this is not Kang, because Loki asks, and who are you? Why are you so afraid of yourself? Um, And he says the lines, I've been called many, many things, I have many titles, just like Kang in the comics, he has tons of different titles because he travels throughout time, and so he picks up different titles and different timelines. He says, I have many different titles, um, and he says something before. I don't know what one of the titles was, but then he says, Conqueror. Kang, his main title is Kang the Conqueror. I mean, again, so many hints, and for it to have zero payoff, I just cannot believe it. And hopefully, in Ant-Man Quantumania, where we are pretty certain that Kang will be showing up. I hope that is where we get that payoff. And I hope that we see a version of this man that we saw in this movie. And it all just makes perfect sense. Uh, And I'm going to talk about Quantumania in just a minute because um, it it is important, I believe, in in terms of this story. And I think that Kang is the connecting piece of why it is important. But Moving on, uh, this version of Kang, after the multiversal war, um, the Sylvie says, and the timekeepers were created. Uh, and there's this cute little, the, the he who remains says like a amen and he like sings it. Uh, it was just very funny. Not a huge moment, but very funny. Um, and he says like, you know, that's where that story and this story sort of separate. So the timekeepers were not in fact created. And it was just he who remains. So he finds Eliath. And he talks about experimenting on Eliath. He finds this being that can eat up and can consume different timelines. And so he's basically weaponizing Eliath. And is able to end the multiversal war pretty much by destroying every other timeline other than his own. So yes... The war is ended, but um, the way that he ended that war is is not in the best way. Because if you think about this, there were only a couple of timelines that were, or probably, there were some timelines that were good, that had good versions of He Who Remains, who would have been peaceful and would have lived in harmony with this normal timeline. There were only a portion of those timelines that were evil and aggressive, and so why do you have to take out every single timeline? It doesn't make sense. And it is incredibly uh, morally gray and, and morally not good to create the domination and create the end of so many other timelines when a good portion of those timelines wouldn't have bothered you in the first place and wouldn't have been aggressive in the first place. It goes against every single principle of war and necessary war and you know, doing things because they are necessary. This was almost completely unnecessary when you think about the consequences and 
what came before those consequences and what the root cause of those consequences were. I mean, it was completely out of proportion uh, what happened there. Again, very creepy guy. I just have in my notes several times throughout this entire episode, this guy is creepy. Uh, and I just stumbled across another time where I thought he was creepy. I don't know specifically what that is referencing, but again, very creepy. He then has this line. It's an important line where he's talking about like, yes, I might be a dictator, but what happens when you depose a dictator? Something is left that is even worse than what came before. And it's this very simple idea of if you take away this huge power, even if it is an aggressive and unethical and uh, pretty, pretty evil power, when you take that away, it leaves the opportunity for something else to take its place. And in this case, we don't know what that something else would be, we just know that it has the potential to be much, much worse. So we're sort of at a, a point here, and Loki and Sylvie kind of have a, a choice to make about what they want to do. Um, but he makes a choice, or he makes an offer. He who remains makes an offer to them. He offers that they both take over the TVA, that they take the reins, they go back, they explain everything, that everyone in there is variants, they tell the truth to these people, but then they explain why their mission is so important, and they continue doing the work that the TVA has done from the beginning. So basically, he who remains wants to step down. He references how tired he is, and, you know, he's much older than he may look, all of that stuff. He doesn't want this position anymore. Um, and again, Loki and Sylvia are just saying, you're lying, you're lying. And this moment, um, was was terrifying and unexpected he just like full-on yells um he's like yelling grow up grow up sylvie um and saying like we're all villains here you have a chance he says this one line you have a chance to do terrible things for a good reason so he's saying you know you both have done terrible things but now you have a chance to do it for a good reason uh, which is a very flawed way to look at things because again the things that he who remains has done although they may have been in some form of, of good interest and in the interest of humanity as a whole, he did really awful things. And just because you may be doing those awful things for a, a somewhat good reason, it doesn't mean that you have any more right to be doing them. And so the fact that he references you have a chance to do terrible things for a good reason what good reason? I mean, there, there's no good reason for what he who remains has done and what he is now offering that Loki and Sylvie do. So again, this moment, kind of a big breaking point for this character, um, a big moment to see his reasoning and his, in my opinion, flawed reasoning for how he believes the world should be run. And then he references, he, he just has this moment and you kind of hear the background, there's kind of like a flutter or like some sort of thing happened. Uh, and he just says, we have passed into the threshold. So basically, he now has no idea what's going on. So there was this point in time that he who remains knew everything that was going to happen until that point of, in time. But past that point in time, he has no idea what's going to happen. So that's the threshold. That is the end of he who remains 
his knowledge of everything that is happening. Um, and we see outside of this building and we see that branches of the timeline are starting to appear. Um, so there are branches sort of popping out, uh, and forming all around this main timeline. Uh, so this is kind of the dawn of the multiverse in some ways. Uh, again, we had the dawn of the multiverse earlier. It appeared though earlier in the series. It looks like the TVA sort of like cleaned all that up, but now officially here it is. I think maybe again the ending of this episode just so confusing, uh, and we will get there. I, I promise. We will get there. Um, I just have in my notes here, this has to be Kang, right? Again, I, it has to be Kang. I really don't understand. I don't understand how it cannot be. Um, but anyways, I, I digress. Let's continue on with the episode. So, um, again, Loki and Sylvie sort of have this choice before them. But he who remains is talking about how either way, He's going to be fine. Either they take over for him and he is just sort of on the sidelines watching everything happen or they kill him and another version of him comes right back. The multiversal war starts and another version of him takes that seat again and he's right back where we started. But he references again, if you kill him, then the multiversal war happens all over again and something, some version of himself will come that is much worse than him, and it will take another version of himself who is as good as him to come back and reform and, you know, redo everything that this version of He Who Remains has done to this point. Okay, so back on track, he's talking about how either way he's going to reincarnate and be you know, back in the same position again, um, and he just, he sort of leaves Loki and Sylvie to make this decision, and he places something on the table, it's like his version of a tempad, and he just says, like, I love the honesty, like, he's saying, like, I love that we're no longer lying to each other, um, which is somewhat true, but I, I don't really know if it's completely true, <laughs> but anyways, um, Loki and Sylvie, Sylvie wants to kill he who remains, and Loki's just saying, you know, we need to take a moment, we need to take a moment to discuss this, uh, and there is a huge lack of trust between the two of them, and Sylvie just kind of, like, comes back at Loki and says, you know, you just want the, you just want the throne, and Loki, you can see that he's hurt by this, and he just says, you know, that's, that's what you think of me, and it's a very sad moment because throughout this series we have seen Loki move past his previous, you know, he always wanted power and he always wanted the throne. And he's moved past that. Again, at the very beginning of this episode, he denied the ability to have that power for a chance at basically, in his eyes, saving the universe. He's sacrificing himself for the good of the people around him. And for Sylvie to come back at him with this you just want the throne, um, is a, a very sad moment for his character, and you can definitely feel that in that moment. Uh, and this is where we get the line from Loki that is just the summation of both of their huge character flaws and why they are where they're at. And he says, you can't trust 
and I can't be trusted. Um, and it's very, very sad, but very, I mean, it's true. It is exactly how each of them function. Um, Loki is always in a scheme, always plotting something, and Sylvie just does not trust people after what happened to her with the TVA, because she can't, because she's constantly on the run. So we have a nice little fight scene, and at the end of that, Loki just jumps in front of Sylvie as she is about to attack he who remains and just, like, yells stop, and there's kind of this, this moment between them. So again, Loki is just completely heartbroken by what just happened to him. There's just like this moment, um, and you see him kind of like break down, and he is just, he's defeated. I mean, this is, this is a character who's been through so much. Um, he's betrayed people so many times, and to have that kind of be turned right back, it's, it's turned right back at him. You know, like, that betrayal, he now feels it. He he feels what he's done to others. Um, yeah, and, and so he's just, like, he feels all that. And he's, he's witnessing, basically, what he has done to others, which is a big moment for him. But then he runs back into the TVA. We get a great sequence. There's hunters all around him, you know, running around. Um, basically chaos. And we see these momentary like he walks past the monitor with all of the branches and he walks past past this big clock that we had seen in the end credit scenes and it just has a ton of different um minute hands on it because a ton of different times are happening all at once and we see him finally catch up with mobius and hunter b15 and he's explaining he's like you know things things went terribly wrong um you know everything is in chaos he's explaining what's going on and then Oh, this moment. Mobius does not recognize Loki. He says, you're, you're an analyst, right? Like, where are you from? What department are you from? He does not recognize Loki. And the last shot of this series or this season is the camera just like pans up to where normally the timekeepers would have been in our, in our timeline, uh, in our version of the TVA there were the three statues of the timekeepers and it pans up and it's just a huge statue of he who remains and that is the end of this season um and there's no real, real end credit scene there's just a document and it says loki laufison um and stamped on it is loki will return in season two <sighs> so we are getting a second season. We sort of knew that uh, a, a while ago, but I guess we have more context for what that second season will look like, except not really. I mean, we. I have no idea. I genuinely have no idea, you know, where they are going with this one. Um, but of course, I have a couple of thoughts, and so that's what I will talk about uh, in this episode moving forward. Um, just try and organize everything that I'm thinking about with this episode, because it, it truly was just pure insanity. <laughs> but yeah, let's get into a couple of those theories. So then we reach a tipping point in this conversation between Ravona and Mobius. Mobius sort of freaks out and just yells like, we can't take away people's free will. Why can't you see that? 
And again, I think Ravona is just in denial of everything that's happened. It's very clear she has poured her life into the TVA, into this mission, and it is all fake, and it is all unjustified, at least as far as we know to this point. And she's just in denial of all of everything crumbling around her, essentially. So then she says, at the end of this, she opens up a time portal, and Mobius ask where she, asks where she is headed after she threatens Mobius um, by threatening to prune him. Uh, she says, I'm headed for free will. I don't know what that means. I mean, she references before, free will is only at the one at the top, so I guess we can maybe assume that she is headed for whoever is in charge, um, that being he who remains. And he says, I've been where you are, uh, probably referencing he's been in that moment with Thor, with the people in his life, where he doesn't want to trust them, but he's at a point where he needs to, and you know he wants to, but it's just going against his nature. nature. So he says, I've been where you are. And he just says, I don't want to hurt you. And this lovely line, um, and, and these few couple, these couple of lines take a very long time to, for Loki to get through. And it just shows just how much emotion he has and just how much love he has for Sylvie. So he says, I don't want a throne. I just want you to be okay. And it's really cute. <laughs> um, and they have a, a nice little kiss. It's really cute all of that, um, but then, but then, oh, this annoyed me so much, they finally have their moment, and then Sylvie just says, but I'm not you, and pushes him through a time portal into, or back into the TVA, um, and Loki is just heartbroken, um, so Sylvie goes to kill he who remains, she asks, you know, aren't you going to beg for your life, she still thinks in her head that he is lying about everything, and he says, I could, and then right before he dies, he says, I'll see you soon, <sighs> which is just so haunting, so terrifying, um, but if everything that he said is true, he's, he's not wrong. He will, in fact, see her again very soon, um, and he dies in that moment, so he kills he who remains, and we see we're back in the TVA with Hunter B-15 and Mobius, we see all of these branches coming out of the timeline, and this, <laughs> this, I know I said it in, like, episode two, I think, um, I was like, we have the dawn of the multiverse, we didn't, um, but now we do, <laughs> we absolutely do, every single one of those lines went past the, that red line, um, which I don't actually think happened in the last incarnation of the multiverse, so, this here, in my eyes, is absolutely the dawn of the multiverse in this moment. Um, after the threshold is passed, we have a multiverse. And if you look at this, it's not like everything is branching from this specific moment in time. All of the branches actually start at different moments along that timeline, which is interesting. I don't really understand the logistics of that or how that works, the science behind that. I don't know if we're ever going to get a clear explanation. Um, Marvel is sort of famous for just having like weird science-y explanations that 
kind of make sense, kind of don't make sense, and then they just move on past it. Again, suspension of disbelief, um, but a little confused as to how that happened, but basically, this timeline has been split in a ton of different points in time, um, and the multiverse has been created. Now, one theory for why this happened is you've taken away he who remains, and so he no longer has the power or the TBA by his side to stop um, branches from occurring. And because of that, these branches are occurring at a rapid rate everywhere. Um, and they keep occurring because they're not being stopped. And so one decision leads to another decision, which leads to another branch, which leads to another branch, so on and so on, until you have a ton of these branches everywhere. Now, I, I had a, a little thought about all of this. So she says, I'm headed for whoever is in charge. Now, um, towards the end of this episode, we learn more about what will happen if he who remains is killed. And he talks about how everyone, all the variants of himself, will converge on this one place and uh, they will fight to have their dominant timelines, their dominant multiverses, uh, and, and to make theirs the singular sacred timeline. So it will be the multiversal war all over again. So I was thinking, Ravona is headed to that place directly after the death of he who remains. And we can assume that she's headed to that place because, again, she is searching for free will. And what if she is a variant of he who remains? So she was a variant who spent time on Earth, uh, and then some something happened in her path um, that put her on the alert of the TVA. She was brought in, memory wiped, all of that. Um, but what if she now knows of her past and knows that she is a variant of he who remains and is, is now headed there because of that? It's a bit of a stretch, but I'm just thinking of, you know, the timeline of events. The he who remains references that as soon as he dies... They will all converge on this point and fight for dominance of their timeline. And maybe Ravona is involved in that. I thought from the beginning that she had some huge major role in the timelines. And maybe this is her huge major role in the timelines. Maybe that was her nexus event. That she was a variant of he who remains who didn't or didn't act or was different from the main he who remains. Maybe that was her big nexus event, that she wasn't that version of he who remains. And that's what happened, and, and that's why she was pruned and everything. Um, I don't know, just, just an idea. And that could be completely off-base, and she could just be completely uninvolved with he who remains and is just going back, sort of searching for the same thing that Loki and Sylvie went in search of. But just, just as far as the timing, the fact that she's going and she will end up in that place right after the death of He Who Remains, uh, it seems like perfect timing for exactly what he was talking about. But we have yet to see, and um, we don't really get those answers at the end of this episode. So then we are talking again with He Who Remains, um, and he talks about just more very impactful dialogues, lines of dialogue. Uh, he says, without me, everything burns. Um, and big line, big claim. Uh, and we get some more context for this a little bit later on. And then there's this line, 
Loki asks, what are you so afraid of? Like, why, why go through all of this trouble? What happened that made you do this? And he just says, me. So, <laughs> big moment. Uh, here we go. We are, we are right, uh, we are going to finally get the story of how this all happened. Once again, I completely believe that this is Kang. 100%. Um, we do not get a name reveal in this episode, but I just, I cannot, like, the hints that we are getting is, is insane, and I just don't understand why Marvel would make so many parallels between this character and Kang and not have it pay off. I mean, he's wearing a purple cloak. He looks to be wearing some sort of green suit underneath. Like, that, that is Kang. Okay, so there are a couple of big things that I want to talk about. The first one being, where is Loki? Um, and the way that I see it, Loki is in another timeline. So somehow when Sylvie sent him through that portal, I think that Kang, I'm sorry, I accidentally called him Kang. Um, I think that he who remains, his tempad is different in some way in that it can also send people to different timelines, not only, um, different, well, I guess all the tempads really do that. So in this case, I think there was just another timeline that Loki could be sent to. Sylvie wasn't really paying attention and just sent him accidentally to some other timeline. And, you know, this timeline must have been very, very, very similar to our timeline, um, but just slightly different. Uh, somehow, this timeline sees he who remains as their timekeepers. So I don't know, I mean, we don't know in this timeline if the he who remains of this multiverse or of this universe is a good one, if it is an aggressive one, we have no idea. Um, we just know that it's a he who remains who is, who is there. Um, we also know that Mobius and Hunter B-15 teamed up at the end. So again, this timeline has to be very, very similar to ours, um, just different in a few key ways. The other thing I want to talk about uh, is he who remains and, and what that name means in comics. So the TVA in comics is a little bit different. Uh, the timekeepers exist, for one thing. They're, they're real. Um, and it's just sort of, the TVA isn't as important in comics, at least in my memory. They're just kind of this outside organization, uh, and they show up a couple times. They're just like the time cops. But there is one TVA analyst or one TVA worker who is left at the end of time. He's the last one that remains, uh, and he is the one who is there when every other being is gone. So at the very end of this galaxy, at the very end of this timeline, at the end of everything, basically, there is one last TVA agent. And this TVA agent is named He Who Remains, or Him Who Remains. And Him Who Remains in the comics has the role of bringing these three beings, they're like little pods, um, and basically nurturing them so that they can go into the next universe or the next incarnation of the universe 
um, and they can create the TVA and they have the knowledge to create a good universe and to oversee uh, not the creation of that universe, but the steady rate of that universe, the steady, you know, everything happening of that universe, basically making sure that that universe goes as planned. So him who remains has the job of nurturing these three beings into people who can oversee the next incarnation of the universe. Now, in comics, what happens is initially these three beings uh, sort of get corrupted somehow, uh, just through whatever, Um, and they become what are called the Time Twisters. So the Time Twisters have this idea of what reality should be, and they have this idea for how the world should work and how it should proceed. And so what they do is they go back in time, and the comics describe it as them going back in time in a spiral pattern. So normally you go back in time or forward in time in a linear pattern, but they go in a spiral. And basically every 50 years, they come in contact with our version of Earth or our version of the universe, and they destroy it. So, for example, they would come at, I don't know what exact years they set that time at, but for example, they would come at 2050 and they would destroy that timeline from 2050 onwards so basically our universe ends at 2050 and then they would go back and they would destroy 20 or 2000 the year 2000 so our universe wouldn't extend beyond the year 2000 then they'd go back to 1950 and the year would wouldn't extend past 1950 i think it was actually 30 years in the comics i don't remember the exact times or anything like that Um, but it might have been 30 years but basically they're going back and they're destroying universes that they don't see as fitting the mold of what uh, the universe or the timelines should proceed as. So they are destroying our version of the world. So our heroes, I I believe it's Thor and um, Jane Foster, if I'm not mistaken, um, they go and they're able to find him who remains and they tell him, you know, these beings are corrupted and they are actively destroying our timeline. So, you know, you need to fix that somehow. So um, what him who remains does is the next incarnation of the next time that him who remains is the only being and the next time that he is tasked with creating these beings um so he he basically goes back in time to that time this is all very confusing and I promise you it is even more confusing reading it the first time um but him who remains goes back to when he first nurtured these beings um how do I explain this well All of this time stuff is just so insane. Um, But him who remains is able to uh, learn this from Thor. And so then years down the line, when it is his turn to nurture these beings, um, after... So in in him who remains' eyes, he hasn't nurtured these beings yet, right? Like they... um, It hasn't become that time yet because Thor came into contact with the time twisters as they were going back in time. So he came in contact with them before him who remains nurtured them. So then when he goes to tell him or him who remains about this, then him who remains still has years to go before he does this nurturing of these beings. So when he finally gets to that point, then he's able to correct whatever happened and he creates the time keepers. And the time keepers role is to combat the time twisters. 
Um, but because the time pushers were already created in some timeline, they are still around. So the timekeepers are there to, you know, keep them in check. I'm that was so confusing. If you did not follow that, um, that is okay, <laughs> because it doesn't make a whole ton of sense. All of again, all of this time travel stuff is really just so confusing. But uh, that is him who remains in the comics, basically the last TVA agent that oversees the transition into the next uh, version of a universe. So, uh, him who remains is a person in comics, but as far as we can see, it's not the same. Um, him who remains in this version of, in, in the MCU, was not a TVA agent, and he's not raising the timekeepers, although he kind of did in some way. I mean, he, like, created the fake timekeepers, um, so I guess a similar idea, but it, it does not appear that Marvel is going to be using him who remains in the same way as in the comics, which is why there is room for them to say him who remains is in fact Kang, because they could just combine these two big characters from comics, and I personally would not be upset about that. You know, him who remains in the comics is not a huge character, um, but Kang is, and so if they combine Kang and this sort of random character from comics, I would be fine with that. And again, I just, I truly do not understand how this cannot be Kang. I mean, we, there are just so many hints, so many clues, and I, I would, it would be insane for them to say that all of this is not connected, and all of this is not pointing towards this one person that we all know and love, but uh, that is sort of besides the point. We will just have to wait and see. Last thing I do want to talk about with this episode is the timeline. Um, and I'm not talking about the timeline in terms of, of the show, but the timeline in terms of the movies and our version of the MCU. When are all of these events taking place? So the multiverse is created. When did that happen uh, in terms of the rest of the MCU? Like, when did the rest of the MCU, so, for example, Wanda, when did Wanda know that the multiverse was created? Or, or maybe she never knew that the multiverse was created. I guess a better example is, like, Doctor Strange, because he would know when something like that happened. When did he know that that happened? When did anyone in our normal timeline of the MCU, when did any of them find out that the multiverse existed? Or, because the TVA is outside of time, when the multiverse was created, was the multiverse created throughout time? So essentially, it's, it's always been there, and this is the origin story for how it, it came about. Um, but because the TVA is outside of time, it didn't happen at a specific time in our timeline. It just happened, and now it's happened at every single point from the beginning of time in our timeline. I, I really do not know, um, but either way, no matter when this happened or if this happened at a point in time at all, the multiverse is now here. It is now present, and it is something that we can draw upon in future MCU properties, which is very, very exciting because, again, Multiverse of Madness is coming out in 2022. Now, all of this, I believe, is primarily leading up to Multiverse of Madness. The fact that the multiverse exists now, the fact that 
all of this was created ties very closely into the story of Wanda and the story of Doctor Strange. But because of this Kang connection, and I, I do believe that there's a connection there, I'm sticking to that, because of this Kang connection, we this show also connects to Quantumania, which is coming out in, I believe, 2023, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a while down the road. But what I could see being part of that story in Quantumania is our version of him who remains. And maybe in Quantumania, our version of him who remains in our timeline finds out about the multiverse. And we sort of see the small-scale effects of that in that Ant-Man movie. Because obviously they couldn't go into great detail about that, because that would be a huge property involving tons of other people. They couldn't show a full-scale multiversal war. But maybe by the end of Quantumania, him who remains, or Kang, or whoever we're going to call him um, in the MCU, maybe by the end of that movie, discovers the multiverse, and discovers that the multiverse exists. And then we go down the same path that Him Who Remains was describing. So maybe the next big Marvel thing, the next big endgame, the huge event, is going to be a multiversal war. And is going to be timelines colliding on one another. Uh, And our heroes are going to have to navigate that and figure out how to solve that. I think it would be a really cool event because it would bring together all of these different characters. You know, it would bring together a character like Elena Belova and a character like Wanda. Because Wanda could be fighting the huge scale, you know, clashing realities. Like, you know, she could be combating that. But then someone like Elena, a small scale hero, could just be fighting the alternate versions of themselves that are appearing. And it would be a good way, I think, it could be a creative way to tie together Uh, these different scales of superheroes. Because again, right now, you have someone like Yelena with no superpowers, just purely a super spy. And then you have someone like Wanda, who can literally shape realities. And something like a multiversal war, if it's done creatively and if it's done well, can just, it can sort of fill that gap between those characters. And it can bring a street-level hero and a multiversal level hero and bring those together which is something that's very difficult to do especially as you kind of widen that gap because you have these street level heroes but the higher level heroes just keep getting more and more powerful so it's a way to dial that back I think and if again if done creatively and if done well it could present a way to bring all of these heroes together um, without it feeling too awkward or too forced so that is my big scale Phase 4 theory coming out of this show. The huge event that we are leading up to in Phase 4 is going to be a multiversal war. And the start of that will be in Quantumania when our version of Him Who Remains figures out that the multiverse exists. And that will be the, the starting point for what happens next in our timeline. I think it'd be, it could be pretty cool. Um, but we're just going to have to see what happens in Season 2. I mean, truly, truly, this is one of those movies and one of those properties I just can't quite wrap my head around. I mean, this is possibly one of the most confusing uh, Marvel properties that 
I think we've ever seen, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It is confusing for a reason. It is confusing intentionally, but it is truly just um, throwing me for a loop. But luckily we are getting a season two, um, and luckily that will be a lot of fun, just based off what we've seen in this series. Um, And my other theory for all of this is maybe it, it just doesn't matter. Because the TVA is removed from time, and because... The multiverse existing obviously is going to have consequences in our timeline, but maybe all of this is just kind of isolated from the rest of the MCU, and I would be fine with that. I think I talked about this in the first episode, in my first episode reaction. Um, I talked about how maybe this show is just going to be very isolated from the rest of the MCU, and of course it would have a couple of events that would transfer into our main timeline, but most of it would just kind of be separate. And I said I would be fine with that because it would give us a way to see Loki in all of his glory without having the burden of, you know, doing things for the rest of the MCU. And again, I, seeing the ending of this season, I would be completely okay with that. Um, and I think it's definitely a way that they could go if they wanted to go that direction with this show. So overall, really insane things going on in this episode really insane things going on in this season, in this series, in the MCU as a whole. I mean, just to try and sort through what they are doing right now. You have something like Black Widow, which was such an incredible movie, but so small, not small scale, because, I mean, those action sequences, those huge set pieces, it is not small scale by any means. But it's not literally time as we it's it's not the the timeline as we know it I mean this show has looked into the multiverse like the end of the world the end of time and that is certainly something that was not done in Black Widow and yet these two properties exist in the same universe it's insane I mean something like Black Widow that is is just basically a spy thriller and exploring the Red Room, exploring very human characters, and then something like Loki that, again, is exploring the end of time. These two movies exist in the same universe, and they are both incredible in their own separate ways, but they're absolutely completely different, and I just think that it is amazing that Marvel has achieved that, and that they've achieved that in the MCU, and they've specifically achieved that in Phase 4, If you look at the phases before this, they've never really had such different types of movies. I mean, you had something like Iron Man and something like Captain Marvel, but even Captain Marvel, I mean, looking at this show and looking at a show like WandaVision, Captain Marvel is really, I mean, the stakes of that movie or the scope of that movie is is kind of tiny in comparison to this show. But again, it all exists under the MCU umbrella, and that is genuinely so incredible and just so impressive that Marvel has done this. And yeah, I mean, I it is impossible to sort through what they are, they are planning. I mean, these movies that they're sending out are all over the place, uh, and yet they all connect together somehow, and we have yet to see exactly how that I have faith that they will all connect in some incredible way and I'm just excited I'm excited to see how that happens and it's insanity and it's 
insanity to try and theorize exactly what's going to go on with all of that, but it is so incredibly exciting, and I, I just cannot wait, and I am here along for the ride with you all, um, and just, yeah, just so excited for this next phase of Marvel. After this season finale, I um even more excited, definitely even more excited for where we are going. Okay, so um, I, I am shocked that I did not notice this before, but it is confirmed. It is. It was, in fact, King the Conqueror. Um, Jonathan Majors will be King the Conqueror in Ant-Man Quantumania, and that was who He Who Remains was. I cannot believe that I did not understand this connection earlier, but actually I can because I don't really know a ton of actors, and so I saw the name Jonathan Majors, and I was like, oh, cool that's a person, um, and then I saw him show up on the screen tonight, and I was like, oh, cool, another person, come to find out they're, in fact, the same person, so, you guys, Kang confirmed, we were, we were correct from the start, it, Kang was behind it all, I, okay, genuinely so proud of this, um, it was Kang from the start, we were right, we got it correct, uh, Kang confirmed, that's, that's all I have to say, you guys know how imper- important this is. If you've been listening to the past six episodes of, of the podcast, you know uh, I am firmly, firmly planted myself as a believer in the uh, Kang supremacy over the TVA, and it's confirmed. So, success. Great job, everyone. <laughs> we got it. We got it correct. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Marveling with May. Uh, Such an incredible episode, Loki episode 6 for all time, always. Once again, Kang confirmed. I seriously cannot believe that I did not catch on to that earlier. I was just sitting there and like I was looking through um, all of my different like Marvel streams of like fan theories and stuff. Someone was like, oh look, it's Jonathan Majors. And I was like, oh look, it is Jonathan Majors, the guy who's going to be playing... Kang and Ant-Man Quantumania um, so I was a little late to that party but I am so glad uh, that I saw it and that Kang is absolutely confirmed I will see you guys next week I'm so excited that we went through this Loki journey together so excited for the future of the MCU and I, I really hope that you enjoyed this series as much as I did and with that I will see you all in the next one